0: going. Go hit the red dot. We hit the red dot. We're on. Good morning. We were we were here last week on the Inglorious Pastures. But we but, weren't. But you don't know that because Bruce inadvertently, I did have Omicron, by the way, so I was a little out of it, but I inadvertently didn't plug in the microphone. Wait, you're just now telling me you had Omicron? Yeah. I and told I'm you. sitting here next to you? I told you that last week. Remember? I said I've been exposed.
1: You said you'd been exposed, yeah. and you did not tell me you had Omicron. No, I think I said I was feeling puny, though. Isn't that a fun word, puny? You realize my wife is watching this.
0: But that's weeks ago now. <laughs> that's only a five-day, like, thing. <laughs> if I you've been so vaccinated, screwed. you only have to quarantine five days, which I did.
1: Yes. And Canceled I... all my appointments. <laughs> So you got tested. you know you have had Omicron? No, I don't have it. Nope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any testing. And so I did a self-quarantine, and so we're good now. It was probably just normal fatigue after the busy season that we I've been through. We are not
1: offering any medical advice or counsel about how to handle... we're not saying that the
0: value of our conversation is better than the value of any other conversation that you might be experiencing on other podcasts
1: which might be called inglorious bastards because we've learned there's at least one other one Well, there's like
0: three of them there's three of them they all spell it differently ours is is probably Uh, the the most glorious (laughs) (laughs) what's the most inglorious that's (laughs) Which is what you're going for with the inglorious Bastards moniker. Um, So, we were going to still have the podcast, though, because Roger had it captured on Audacity last week. Yes, so
1: I had the audio version, so I was going to get it on our audio platform. And I was going to put the (coughs)
0: live video stream that you could listen to the podcast at the same time and try to sync. Because the video I have, we just don't have audio, and then something happened to sync.
1: Well, you know how Microsoft sometimes just decides. You know what? It's, it's time to time update you to your computer. <laughs> <laughs> and whether you like it or not, we're going to upgrade it. And whatever you've got going in your Audacity software may or may not be saved. Good luck. <laughs> so. Well, last week did not never occur.
0: Yeah. So it was. An, it was such a great podcast. I cannot remember what I talked about, but I talked for forty minutes, and Roger talked for approximately seven. I think it was something like that. So I
1: was on a roll, and I am. You not, just can't stop it. I am not
0: on a roll today. Oh, I think I was talking about repurposing and re. Re because that. that
1: was your word for the. That's your word, word for, for the, the year. year. All the, So there was that,
0: a. Lo- that blog is going out at ten o'clock this morning. I okay. learned how to automate these things. I wrote it yesterday. Oh, okay. A repurposed
1: blog. I think I got something or a cue. that were warning it was coming or something. A warning? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Bruce is sending <laughs> you something. You can go ahead and direct it to spam now, or you can
0: wait until later.
1: Hey, listen, I've got a story which might lead into a public service announcement. Now, we're not giving any kind of counsel about not COVID. A, right. Right, because we're not, we're not qualified to do that. You have, you have to know. sit have
0: to do that. <laughs> we're no doctors. I'm no doctor. <laughs>
1: what seems to be (laughs)
0: what seems like everything that's on my inside wants to be on my
1: outside so so here i want to you know just give and this i want to how roger can help our listeners learn something about poison ivy that they may not know well roger you're such a giver yes and it turns out you can give poison ivy we're just really not allowed today are we wow well it's just it's just don't Okay. Don't focus on that. I'm not. So talk about poison ivy, because I'm highly allergic to it. Well, here's, I. so we could talk about myths (laughs) that Roger has learned. So two and a half weeks ago, it's a Saturday, balmy, it's warm, and I'm outside, you know, it's okay, this is a day to get things done, working in this shed, whatever. It's like January. Right. So then I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is the perfect time, because behind our shed, we've had this poison ivy and um it's annoying and it's just like how do i get rid of that and so i thought this is the perfect time there's brown dead vines they're not leafy they're not green you know knock it out in the winter i'm not gonna have to deal with this
0: and there's gonna be no after effect
1: right so it's like this is the perfect time uh so i you know, pull that stuff out and get it, and I, you know, stuff it in a trash can. Um, and on Sunday, I began to learn some new things about poison ivy. Dormant poison <laughs> ivy. Well, it turns out it's never dead. But I, so I started looking this up. So I want people to know. Good. That uh, no. It still has this whatever oil. Ure- oh, Good I know this only you. because I
0: get it every year on at least one of my walls of Jericho trips, no matter how careful I am, because it's all over the place around water right. sources.
1: So, so I discovered, yes, so it's... I had I just simply, simply assumed, okay, dead. No leaves, no green, no three leaves, nothing. This is just... Old vine. In fact, I'm looking at. It. I'm not even sure it's poison ivy. I'm just clearing the vines out. If someone's poison ivy, this is the time to do it. I'm clearing it out. Um, and oh my gosh! And apparently, you're
0: rubbing it all over your calves.
1: Uh, well, and you know, I'm always wearing shorts. Yeah. Um, which another, uh, another bad plan another, when you're clearing out poison another, ivy. Another do not do. It's one of those never do this naked things. <laughs> you know. but well, thank God I wasn't. I wasn't full-out nudist because... No, I just saw a Facebook post. Someone said, make a
0: running list of things not to do naked. And one person put, never go to a gender reveal party. It's not about you. <laughs> I thought that was
1: great. Random. So, yes. So and, but... Well, okay. And I mean, my legs were just <laughs> covered with, you know, the... Just the worst. I mean, it was just...
0: Were you using gloves? Did you get it all over your hands, too? Or did your hands...
1: I had a little on my hands. I was not using gloves. Okay. Uh, Actually, very little, ultimately, on my hands. The legs... But, I mean, you talk about... Even to last night, uh, sleeping at night, challenging. I mean, it's gotten much better. At one point, it was so bad on on one of my legs, I almost went to the emergency room because I was wondering if it was just infected. It just looked so bad, but... Um, I should have told you this two weeks
0: ago. You can spend $35 and buy this stuff. That's, it's a scrub, and it scrubs the uregeral oil off your skin, and so it stops reacting. Well, So in a matter of days, I can be done with poison ivy.
1: Well, there's a couple of things, because <laughs> I've been doing a lot of reading now. Okay. Again, I'm no doctor, but <laughs> when we talk about myths, and I thought maybe some of this bleeds into life, but... Yeah. Um, so, one myth is it's poison ivy's dead, can't be dead. It's not, it's okay. Um, and, but even your challenge myth that you can't do anything. Reading now, I was looking, there's actually, there were some, before you get, do something with poison ivy, you can put something on your skin. Mm-hmm. You know about that? I don't. That must
0: be some sort of coating that keeps the oil from attaching to your skin.
1: And the other thing that I read was if you can clean that oil off within 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. you're highly unlikely to have a reaction. You can use warm soapy water. I actually carry now
0: a bottle of uh, rubbing alcohol on all my walls of Jericho trips. I don't take that on any other trip. (laughs) But what happens is once we go out to the walls and back and we do the swimming thing, when I get back to my tent, which is in that 30-minute zone, I will literally take an alcohol bath just in case.
1: Just in case. Because okay. that
0: takes all of that, gets all that oil off your skin before it bonds to it. Because literally ureseral is bonding to your skin and then creating the allergic reaction. Right. What's crazy is not everyone is allergic to poison ivy. It's, an, yep. it's actually an allergy.
1: Yes. I read about maybe 25%. People don't... No, maybe 15. I think it's 15. So I'm wondering, how do you get that? I want that. <laughs> well, here's the other thing that I read. Again, myth. Myth is, okay, you get it, and you build up some immunity. What I read is it's just the opposite. It gets worse. It gets worse. Your body has a, a worse Once alert. you have... A, which would fit my... This was easily the worst... That's interesting. ...episode I've had with poison ivy, and what I... Read if I read it correctly was, no, you don't build up immunity where okay you get used to it as with other kinds of illnesses or this it actually it eventually reaches a like, point where it can kill you <laughs> gets, and if that's your
0: emergency room thoughts.
1: But the thought that I could have within thirty minutes, yeah, had I not overestimated my ability my knowledge of poison ivy. Last, last myth, okay? Um, you can't spread it to others. Well, yes and no. What you can do, my wife discovered, is if the oil is on you, and, the oil... And you rub her arm. <laughs> and, and you're laying in the same bed uh... or you're, whatever. It's just... Okay, so now once I get it on my skin, it's not like you're going to get it off of. But while I still have that oil on me, <laughs> I can pass the oil. On to another person. On, if it's on my skin. Wow. And you. <laughs>
0: I don't think I've ever given it to someone else. That's a whole new level.
1: So it was just like a couple of days. It was funny because I wasn't saying anything to Joe. I wasn't making a big deal what? And um, at one point. But there's a, she came in like on Monday, two days later. And, I just need to ask you, do you have any poison ivy? Well, hon, yes, I do. (laughs) And she actually said, well, I'm glad. um, Because she was afraid she might have some other kind of thing or some kind of rash or shingles or some other. And just like, no, no, you probably have. Yeah, because she had not been back there. She had not been doing anything. No, she got it from your legs. the oil (laughs) that was on my legs got it. Yeah, so. I didn't even know that. I hope we're helping people out. But I have had moments of thinking about uh, life lessons from poison ivy.
0: Well, and it might be a good time to talk about myths that we tend to believe or hang on to that simply aren't true, that may not be serving us well. In other words, a myth that poison ivy goes dormant or dead and it's not gonna have oil on it, well, that's not gonna serve a person well. They're going to be out there ripping it out of the yard. But there is another thing you don't know. Don't burn poison ivy. Because oh, you can suck that into your lungs, and which had, I've done before.
1: And I had read that. And here's the thing. So one of my life, or what I would say is, I've thought about this, is I overestimated what I knew. Yeah. Which is just something we have to watch all the time. I just realized I have this enormous confidence in conclusions, I have. Right. <laughs> so think about this, Bruce. I'm getting ready to go clear out this poison. I have this plan. I have this idea. It'll take me 30 seconds to go online and actually look up, is poison ivy dead? I didn't even. Roger. In other words, I made an assumption and I had this total confidence that, I mean, I I just couldn't see myself being wrong. It's It's just but I've seen this so many times. I mean, it's here, the major cost was to me, although then there ended up being a cost, my mistake cost my wife as well. Um, So thankfully her case was not nearly as bad as mine, but how often it's just- And and some things
0: are not that hard to expand our knowledge base because of Google. So since we didn't, since no one heard the podcast last week, (laughs) I want to tell about the, the story about the thing that I learned about putting windows in. Okay. You know, because I had to, I put in a bank of three windows at our house. I had to take out brick on the outside, rebuild the entire frame on the inside, redo all the electrical.
1: Timeout. I mean, a few years back, none of us, we all got nervous anytime Bruce would pick up a hammer. Oh yeah. You should see what he did to his thumb once. I so, but now, he's amazing. I'm a, I'm a thing. He's a remodeler. Don't. He's,
0: no, don't say that. No, that's
1: that's a no, myth. You put an I, enormous, beautiful set of three windows in a brick wall. Now it took you a month, took, and you did some really funny things. It took tell eight, us, tell it us about what days. you learned from putting a window.
0: A couple of things I learned. Number one, when you when you cut out brick, you know you can use a sledgehammer at the middle of the brick, like if because you're using an angle grinder to make the cut. Okay, you're cutting along mortar lines. All right. But at some point, on the down lines, you've got to cut through the brick. But you are only get through that much of it. You're not going to get through the whole brick.
1: So you use an angle grinder. So you're, so you're making a kind of... So you make your okay. big
0: rectangular cut. And then yeah. you use a sledgehammer in the center to bang out pieces. But on the edges, where it's still attached to the other brick, you have to use a smaller hammer and be much more careful. Because if you use the sledgehammer there, I took out like a big three or four brick set. <laughs> sh- that was not a part of the cut line. Wait, you... You also had to do some masonry. <laughs> well, it wasn't masonry. I used Gorilla Glue, and it worked because it says it works on masonry stucco. I'm like, we'll see. So I literally glued these this giant brick thing back in.
1: This cannot
0: and maybe another. This may be, another, this may be a future podcast where we. The next day, solid as a rock. <laughs> and then they have this stuff you can buy that you put. We in We are your not lock.
1: advising. You can put anything. your caulk
0: gun called mortar filler, and you just fill in the mortar holes. And then I just repainted it with paint that we had from when we painted the brick years ago. So that was one thing I learned. You have to be careful taking out the brick that you don't knock off a lot of other bricks. Second thing I learned is, and again, this there was like three major things. And Marlena comforted me by saying, well, Bruce, you know, you learn by experience. But I should have learned by Googling. <laughs> that would have been better. So... I'm, I'm putting the windows in. They go in really well. I'm getting better about plumb and square and angle. I'm, I'm super it's, impressed. It's not only this way, but you got to get the window in this way <laughs> oh, correctly. All, right. It's level so many different ways. Yep, sure. and square, and nothing in my 1977 house is square. So I'm actually creating square out of something that doesn't <laughs> exist currently,
1: which adds some different wrinkles. <laughs> it
0: does. But I get those windows in, I put them in, they look so good. I'm taking pictures of Marlena, like, that's amazing. So I go ahead and do the drywall, and I'm looking at the drywall, and I'm like, well, nor- I know this side normally goes out, but there's a there's a beveled edge on the brown side, and I know I'm going to need that beveled edge, because when I-, when I fill in with mud, I need... And- so I put the drywall on backwards, which uh, would take a split second to go on, how do you put drywall on? It's just- the first thing I read was, never have the brown side out. I'm like... <laughs> problem so but i'm thinking i might be able to get away with this okay but then i'm looking at the windows for trimming them and the, the window on the inside is basically flush with the wall and the window on the out on the outside is nine inches away from the brick i'm like i'm gonna have to like build some kind of monster and i'm like i think i may have done something wrong <laughs> quick quick look on google yeah you you put exterior windows on from the exterior because if you don't that 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 three and a half inch, two by four, you hear me, three and a half inches too much into your kitchen <laughs> and three and a half inches too far away from your brick wall. So the following morning, I had to, by the way, I couldn't do it that night, even though I realized that it was a mistake. I was like, I don't right. have the energy. Nope. I would just be too
1: frustrated. Nope, that was one of your better calls. Better calls. <laughs> I got up the
0: next morning. I very calmly expl- explained to Marlena what I was going to have to do. This is all going to have to come out all the
1: drywall, all the windows. So don't ask me any questions. <laughs> Trust me. She
0: just said later, I was so proud of you because normally you'd have been like really angry and cussing up a storm and just being blah blah blah. I'm like, nope, nope, I'm just so I calmly in four hours. And that's the other thing about screwing drywall in. It's very important not to nail it because it comes off a whole lot easier when you're just unscrewing screws. And Marlene had a great idea. She says, can't you just flip it? You know, and I'm like, well, the the little holes for the sockets are going to be in the wrong places. She goes, yeah, but you can fill that in. You've done that plenty of times at our house, and I'm like. <laughs> It's true. I have done a lot of drywall repair,
1: and it was a great idea. I would have just gotten more sheetrock because it's cheap, and I'm not going to mess with all that but I, filling in. and. <laughs> but I did flip it. You're well, what, a brave was, man. what was
0: easier was doing some of those <laughs> the, the cuts, not having to redo the cuts, even on a large mm-hmm. piece of dry. It was nice. So I only had to make one new drywall thing and then filled in. the uh, Anyway, all that to say, we don't know what we don't know. But well, we have all sorts of assumptions about what we know. Right. In other words, I'm this person, this is just who I am. I'm like, I'll figure it out. Which is okay, but you can add hours and hours and hours to your workload and frustration level where just a quick fact check right. might be helpful. Right. Fact. The brown side of the drywall never faces the roof. Right. Okay. Right. Fact check. <laughs> the exterior window is put in from the Exterior, thus the name, the term exterior window. Not that there's ever an interior window. I don't know how many, I mean, I know in office spaces, you get that every now and then. But all that to say, that whole process could have been much simpler had I done just a teeny bit of research. But I run in there thinking my knowledge base is good and I'll figure it out. The other funny thing is when I was first hanging the windows from the outside, you know, I got it in there plumb square and I got the (laughs) screw in and I reached around to make sure it would open and close fine. And I'm like, where's the handle? I had it in there upside down, literally. So it would, so you could open do. the top and let air in through the top, but you could never, anyway. So then I had to flip it again. So it was a
1: comedy of errors. So you put it in backwards first. The, well, you did the sheetrock backwards. You had the window upside down. You had, <laughs> but it came out great at the end of One all. One month later. It was only an eight-day project.
0: Now, well, here's the other funny thing. We also overestimate our ability to do things in a certain amount of time. I thought this was going to be a three-day project. I'm like, three windows, three days, that's a lot of time. Well, it took one whole day just to get the brick out <laughs> without making the entire house collapse
1: on itself. Oh, yeah. no, I. Um, it, so, there's something where you're talking here that <clears throat> this tension we live in that's very, very important of a healthy skepticism about my knowledge. I need it's, to write that it, down. It's not that it's not. It's not that it's wrong to be confident. It's not wrong that it's. We're not saying you don't, you're just, you never make a claim. But I think we need to be more cautious. We need to hold more loosely the ideas we have. It's 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 living on a on a daily basis where I'm not questioning I'm not doubting everything I believe but I'm holding it loosely yeah because of all the things Roger believes today
0: 38 special
1: hold on loosely
0: but don't let go
1: <laughs> of all the things I believe today some some of them are wrong and if I if I don't have a healthy um sense of my fallibility a help a healthy sense of my ability to do things wrong to miss then i won't learn i i i'll shut myself off i'll give my wife poison iv or or i'll inflict an idea sometimes of course i've there've been times where i've realized I was teaching an idea yes. that was wrong. And here's the thing. What if I, you know, think about the confidence that I had of me going in that situation with the poison ivy. I might have had the confidence, I can almost see me. Let's say I'm out there with another person and I said, this poison ivy looks dead. I would have said, oh, I don't think you need to worry about that. now," because I'm so allergic, I would have said, I'm still going to worry about it because right. I
0: don't know. I just know I have really bad experience right. with poison ivy. Yes. So you already know. Uh, but And I know not to burn it because I had done that. Uh, Roger, I would actually done that at uh, Gleason Drive. Pulled a bunch of, off that wall, pulled a bunch of poison ivy, burn it. And then I was like literally having allergic reactions in my Oh, I, read, my I lungs. Had read,
1: yes, that can be very. It was not good. No, I'd never, so, I'd never done that. So think I've about, never done anything like that. So think
0: about the Jahari, Jahari window, I think it's called. <laughs> I, it's this idea there's four panes in the window, and I always love this, but I'm going to add a new pane today because it's important, and this may be a chapter in the book now that I'm thinking through it. Okay. So the Jahari window talks about there's four panes <laughs> in the window. This one pane, this first pane is what you know and what others know. So it's sort of common knowledge, what you know and what others know. This next pane is what you know but others don't know. Okay. This pane down here is what others know that you don't know. <laughs> In other words, so often it's things they know about right. you that you can't see. And then right. the fourth pain is mystery. What you don't know and what others don't sure know. know. Okay. But here's the fifth pain that I would add to that. What you think you know that you don't know. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Because I love this idea of healthy skepticism. I shouldn't assume too strongly that I know what I think I know. I know components of certain things. Right. You know, I know even, even Paul talked about that. Now we know in part. Right. And we teach in part. In other words, we but we don't know the all. We don't know the whole. Only God knows the whole. Right. And I was even thinking about the importance of mystery, even when I thought about, you know, in this undivided <laughs> book concept, the importance of mystery. To be willing to say, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and I've read plenty, of, but I don't know. And, and I believe maybe only God knows. But we don't have a place really for mystery. We want to come in. No, we need to have the answer. to This we need to know what this is, and I'm like, we
1: can't. Right. So we need a category for mystery, but we need a category. We need also for this new Johari window, <laughs> the, the pain that you've created. So what? What would be a single word that describes
0: what I what I think I know that I don't know? <laughs> Arrogance.
1: Wow. Thanks for that. <laughs> no,
0: that's a great. It's no, you're It's right.
1: overestimating what you know it's giving a superior (laughs) you jumped in really quick with that what i'm saying because because listen i am an arrogant window builder i'm a specialist i'm a specialist in arrogance i'm a specialist in over but the story i just told is overestimating both what I know and what I can figure out, I, right. I'm I'm really good at this. You know, I'm very good at this. I'm very good at this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just you know, and just how confident. So I I just have to look back and laugh. Yeah, at how glibly I assumed I knew when I was. I mean, I had a kind of certainty because listen, I don't like poison ivy either. I mean, I I've had poison ivy before, and it's like now I didn't know that it can keep getting worse. Um, but I've had it before, so it wasn't like I was... And even knowing that, I just glibly went in because I had an inflated view of my reasoning ability. I had an inflated view of my knowledge, and I had an understated view of my ability to be wrong.
0: And Think about it, Roger. It, that arrogance that you're talking about, it bred a, a confidence Oh, you yes. were confident. In other words, you weren't thinking maybe I should, you know, right. put pants on today. It just said, oh, no, I'm confident about this," oh. and I can't think of how many times I've done that same kind of thing. I'm just popping those windows in. Right. It looks great. I'm like, "This is awesome," taking pictures,
1: but it's all wrong. <laughs> it's all... So so I've had time to think about this, and I, it, it's again, it's trying to find. It seems to me, that in the church, I just think about the church we grew up in. And this isn't actually making a statement of that church because almost every Christian I've talked to from any kind of denomination or background, what I've discovered, what we've discovered together, sometimes chuckling, is all of us had an overinflated idea of our denominations or our churches or our groups' ability to get things right. Again, we would see ourselves as sort of um, the purest line, whatever whatever's gotten off the earliest church, and you think about okay Catholicism boy, they got way off uh, boy the Presbyterians they got way off the charismatics they got but <laughs> but our group, if you trace back to the original church, you're gonna find this is the purest line right here.
0: I mean I mean it starts with John the Baptist. <laughs>
1: Right, he was a Baptist. Right, so, but I, I think we had a we had a very high view of the ability of others to be mistaken. Yeah, right. It was not. Oh. We, we, but we. Here's the challenge: is we didn't have a healthy sense of our own our own propensity for error. Right, our own propensity. It's almost like we gave ourselves a pass. We could, uh, you know, that group, um, the, or, or we might even say something like, you know, they're not as they're not as doctrinally focused. They're they're just looser at that. They're or, or they're more emotional. Or they're more emotional. They don't take things as, and again, we would kind of see ourselves. We're the people who take Jesus really seriously.
0: So one thing <laughs> that I thought about that. It, it, like, if I said to you, I want you to tell me how you feel about this statement. If I said to you, Roger, you've been duped, how does that make you feel? No, it's, yes, that's... Absolutely not. Right. I'm not, I'm undupable. Right. <laughs> but I realized as I was working on these, these chapter ideas, I'm like, part of the reason we don't want to admit that we're wrong or even explore mm-hmm. our motivations about... Why we're holding to something that may not be accurate is we don't want to feel that we've been duped. Right. But I realize, as I've wa- particularly as I watch certain Holy Post podcast, I'm like, oh, I've been duped. In other words, that I've been sold a, a a a line of thought or a, or sometimes a belief system that was inaccurate, but I was but I was but but I was sold it so strongly, I took it. I'm going to use a colloquialism: right. hook, line, and sinker. Yep. I mean, I took the, I mean, I'm just like, I. That, absolutely. So even like with the moral majority and Ronald Reagan coming to our school and, and speaking and all of that, I realized there were places where I had just been duped. This was. I was presented with something that wasn't an accurate representation of reality, but it was in, in the world, the microcosm, the, the subculture
1: that I was in, it was absolute gospel. Well, what's funny now where I, where I, wrestle with the term dupe some, or at least I, I want to tease that out a bit, is it, it du- dupe can be the idea. Intentional. Some, someone's intentionally, but the, the really sobering thing is where a group is influenced by a narrative. Yes. Um, whether, you know, however you trace back to whoever began it or, but they're just ideas, a group, a denomination, a narrative. So that the people who have passed it on to us have had it passed on to them. Again, not even necessarily that there was this sinister thing that happened, but where we even, we tend to believe stories that put our group in the best light. We tend to believe stories that show us as right and not wrong. We t- and so where even, we're, we get caught up in a narrative. We get caught up and it's just in the air around us and we just absorb it. We just take it on without a healthy sense. I think when I look back, let's say, to any point in my life, whether it's two years ago or that time, yeah, Ronald Reagan comes to our school yep. and hurrah and, and, and all the, and feeling like, you know, the top of the world and how important and so on. It's, I did not have a healthy honed sense of, a healthy skepticism. We look at the word skepticism as a bad term way too often. Right. But wh- what about just a healthy skepticism that I could be wrong? I love several years back, because we had a conversation. I remember you and I, but I think it was you that ended up saying, maybe we should just start everything with, when I'm getting ready to make a statement, I could, I be, could be wrong, wrong yes. but but... But I think that's one way, if you talk about living in this tension of that window where I think I know and I don't, well, maybe one of the healthy antidotes or the healthy skepticism is literally just verbalizing, just literally verbalizing, I might be wrong, but here's what
0: I believe. And think about how how receivable, receivable that is by another person. Right. So you're not coming in dogmatically, I know I'm right about this, so listen up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're saying, hey, I could be wrong, but let's talk about this. Even even when you said, let's tease something out. That's a great way of saying, hey, I'm not in full agreement on this necessarily, but let's let's talk about it yep. more. Yep. The, the video may have stopped, but that's okay. Because I think it might have a 30-minute timer on it. Uh, I don't know if it's recapturing now, but we'll find out. But I thought about... Um, Oh, I forgot what I was going to say because that threw me for a little bit of a it loop did, there. It did. It did look there was like a the little timer. Well, There a little thing that came up that said, Your video is going to stop here in a minute. Or so, I don't okay. know. What it, I, but that's. That's what was that, so it, weird. There's, it, there's still a red button there.
1: <laughs> Are we going we're, back? We're back on for again? the second half
0: of season eight, episode one, <laughs> that has. On the Audacity Anchor podcast version, will all be one, but yes. here in the video world, it'll be, it'll be two.
1: Disjointed.
0: But I had thought about writing a book at one point called I'm Probably Wrong. Yeah. But it was this idea, I wanted to tackle some tough topics, but do it in such a way that people would be <sighs> right. curious. They would listen. Yeah. They might explore some different things. But if I came in and says, I, I'm, I'm probably right about this, or I'm, I'm certain about this. Right. It actually creates a. It's funny. It creates a, a space where a person feels almost automatically defensive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I don't think you're right. Right. I, it's that. But what if we
1: said, "Hey, I could be wrong, but let's talk about this thing," no. or let's tease that out a little further. People are. It's good for us, and it's good for others. It's 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 keeps me in a place if I'm genuinely believe that. I'm not talking about just okay. I'm just throwing that out. But it's that healthy way of living where I can I can. I can say. I, and, Judy, to believe, I could be wrong here. I want to be, so I want to, I'm just starting off with that posture. Um, Which is the opposite of arrogance.
0: There's a, there's a humility yeah. it takes to say, hey, right. yeah, I could be wrong about this, but let's talk about it. Right. But here's something that I'm thinking. Yep. Versus, here's something that I know. Right. Because I realize this is this is a whole another talk, but I realize there's a difference, in, but for me, there's a difference in believing something and knowing something. Mm-hmm. I believe all sorts of things. Okay, I believed certain things about even window building and window installation and whatever, Yep. but I know things by experience. In other words, the way that I truly know something is I've experienced it. I know that now. Otherwise I have all sorts of belief systems. Well, when we think about even, let's say theological things, certain things we believe, but we haven't experienced yet. In other words, I believe in heaven and hell or whatever that is. Mm but I don't know by experience what that right. is. In other words, if I say I'm going to give you the here's exactly what hell is, what it's like, what it what it looks like, what is it, how it's experienced, I w- that would be foolish, foolish, because I don't know that. And I hope never to I hope never to know that. But I have belief systems about it. And that's where I think we have to be careful when we have belief systems. When I believe something, it's not that it's wrong to believe, but it may be wrong. Right. In other words, it's not this nefarious i'm intentionally going to believe the wrong thing and lead others down a path that's that's a whole different game but i'm i may hold things that are that are not accurate and that's why i have to hold them loosely but don't let go if you cling too tightly you're going to lose control that was the 38 special line it just it came to me but i wonder we we worry about if we hold things too loosely and i did talk about this last week that no one heard what i call the domino the, the fear of the domino effect mm-hmm. if i take this domino out let's say out of my right. theological belief system if i take this singular domino out all of them are going to fall right they're just all going to collapse after that. And i'm like you know the dominoes really aren't that close together right they're just they're just not there's certain things i sometimes i have to take a domino out of the line doesn't mean everything's going to fall right. after that or i have to take this stick or this block out of the jenga tower but it's not going to make everything fall right. it's not So, and that's where it takes humility to say, I may be wrong about this. Am I willing to be curious and explore alternative understandings? And and that's hard because it makes us feel like, well, I'm compromising, I'm compromising truth. Well, hold on. No, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow. God wants us to grow and learn and develop and mature, which means there are certain things when I was a child, I thought like a child. Yeah. But when I became a man, I thought differently about things. That's a growth thing. That's a maturing thing. You were going to say something. Sorry, I was...
1: No, um, I was thinking about... um, um, I think, yes, one of the hesitations we have about... (laughs) We could be wrong. it's, It's almost like if my church or my group, or if I'm wrong about something related, let's say in the realm of Christianity or Christian life or whatever it's like, that's an indictment on everything. Right. And so what ends up having the tragic turn with that is we end up putting everything at the level of, I and mean, there are a handful of bedrock kind of things where I'd say, pretty certain on this. I mean, this seems to be, mm-hmm. um, you can't really move off off this. If this is, is wrong. Well, it, what I would say is foundational. Where you would just say, well, let's say, so where I'm using your term foundational, but the problem is if you make everything foundational, it's it's the idea that now if I have some other idea that it turns out I'm wrong on, well, that's an indictment on the foundational, or that, that again, that the whole right. foundation crumbles. Well, this is a really tragic mistake because that actually keeps us from learning where we're wrong, And I think it is why groups get entrenched and why ultimately what tends to happen so often is everything gets made foundational. Um, our, Our view of the role of men and women in ministry, that becomes foundational. How you baptize people becomes foundational. You have all of these things that you end up, that's born out of this, I can't let any one thing go because I think, yeah, the whole thing goes. And... This is actually what blocks us then from learning, from growing. Um, So
0: so I find myself more curious now. Hey, I've always thought this was wrong or I've always thought that this was inaccurate, but I wanna explore it. Sometimes at the end of that exploration, that research, I'm like, no, that was accurate. Yeah. Okay. But it's important to do that on the other things that I've researched and looked at and whether it's a theological thing or a political thing. I realized, nope, that's not actually accurate. Right. I, it was pitched to me as accurate. And here's what I want to go come back to on the duped thing: there were certain things I believe that that were presented to folks intentionally, even though they knew it was false. Yeah. But it it continued them on a vote path. Yep. So they'll continue to vote yep. this way yep. as long as we continue
1: to pitch pitch Oh, this oh yes, narrative. I'm not saying there's no dupage. So, but yeah. there's
0: other times where it wasn't duping. It was. Um,
1: the blind leading the blind.
0: The blind leading the blind, right. <laughs> if someone is unintentionally telling you the wrong way to go, it's not that they're nefarious or evil. And that's the other thing we have to stop. We have to stop demonizing people who think differently right. about things. Or, right. There's just things that I'm wrong about. It doesn't mean that I should be demonized for that. So we have to be careful about that. But we have to be super careful that we don't cross that line of, yeah, I'm going to intentionally present it, can keep presenting this narrative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because, even though I know it to be inaccurate, Right. because it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep people in line with a certain political view or voting a certain way. That's where we have to say, hey, I may still vote this way, but that's an inaccurate narrative.
1: And I was, if I think about healthy skepticism and what that looks like, okay, we've talked about, oh, yeah, I might be wrong. I, I go in, I have that. But another form of healthy skepticism that we've talked about, but it just, it's, it's, at right, center of the target here to me is listening to people that I disagree with. Right. Um, reading more broadly, it seems to me that that the most balanced people I've encountered seems or the or the more kind of growing people that I encounter, they we, read widely. They they're they're they have different where. Isn't one expression of a healthy skepticism about what you believe is a comfortableness with what you said? Even your curiosity, where I look, I say, where I intentionally listen to somebody with a different viewpoint. Yeah, I intentionally. Right. What if I intentionally turn on a different news network than I normally? That's I was
0: just thinking about news network. If you only listen right. to one news network. Yep there because all of us have biases myself included right. well news networks have biases of course when I read the time the New York Times and I read them every morning because it comes to my inbox but I I know that they have a particular bias mm-hmm. that they present from and I accept it for what it is right. and I'm like okay I understand that that's their bias sometimes I, it's interesting sometimes I find it annoying but I realize we all have biases yeah. and some yep. of those can be annoying but I don't try to just read from one space right. I'll look at multiple spaces because it even in the pandemic that we're in right now, there is this is to me this is the pandemic has created maybe it's the, maybe it's the fifth window, it's a microcosm of the fifth window. <laughs> we don't know what we think we know, right And even I was so appreciative of this writer in the in The times that said he started the year with uh, he said when pundits. Something about when Pundit, uh, holding a, holding pundits accountability. He said it begins with me. He said there were several things that I presented last year journal, journalistically that weren't accurate, and then he started for point by point going this, 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 and he said one thing is I thought I knew more about COVID than I did because I had talked to so many people. He said, but frankly, we don't. There's there's tons that we still don't know. Right. Why did Delta do this? But Omicron's not doing this. Why did COVID come out? Th- mm-hmm. It's just fascinating, but I appreciated his account. He said, pundit accountability, and it started with him. In other words, he didn't point out where everyone else was wrong. He said, this is where I was wrong, even in the last year. And I thought, isn't that interesting?
1: And it goes back to what you're saying. The idea you talked about, we don't want to be duped. But the, the, the close cousin of that is, we don't want to be mistaken. Yes, isn't okay. the idea I, yeah, the yeah, look- wrong idea is I look foolish. Yes. So what we'll do is the opposite of what he does. Isn't it funny? And I just we have to laugh at ourselves, but it gets I laugh at one point but then it's then it's sad. It's easier to rationalize than apologize. Right. It's or look the other way or kind of minimize or
0: just don't talk about it anymore.
1: I can remember <laughs> who wants to talk about? See, this is this is If I'm thinking about that healthy skepticism, this guy just gave us an admit where you were wrong. This is where I think even Christians at times, we think somehow we'll lose credibility or we think we'll look foolish. We have this fear of looking foolish when nobody's ever lived outside of Jesus that wasn't wrong on stuff. That doesn't have... Being wrong simply means I've got more to learn. So for someone to say, what a posture to come in and say, here's some things I was wrong about. Yeah, That just sets the tone. Once you've done that, when, and you do that publicly, I'm just saying, this is another way of living with healthy skepticism. And and here's
0: the thing, it actually increases credibility. Absolutely. In other words, for that journalist to do that, and it's a, it's a journalist that I wouldn't agree with on a lot of things, Right. but for him to do that, I'm like, that he, he just went up a notch in terms of credibility in my mind because he's willing to say, hey, I was wrong about these things. Right. And I wrote about, one of them he wrote about passionately, okay, like he felt strongly about this thing, but he's like, yeah, he said, he said the research was trending this way and I just went with it, he said, but then you know, other research was like, nope, missed it by, missed it by a mile. And, and again, he was willing to say, Frank, there's just things we don't know that we think we know or we want to know. And I think that's another, that's a whole nother issue. We want to know certain things with certainty. So we sort of rushed to the conclusion Because I want to know, you did even a a face cast about this, this idea of the detective that it's going to make, you're watching some movie with Joy or a Hallmark thing, but there is, we want to rush to the conclusion, well, all of these circumstances lead me to believe it must be this person, but in your mind, you're going, that's way too obvious. (laughs) Right, Uh, That person couldn't have done it because everything about the story says that
1: they did it, but they can't have... but we make Hallmark conclusions all the time like that. <laughs> is that what we're calling them, Hallmark conclusions? No, right, no. but I was, We laugh at Hallmark, okay, or, we're, or whatever the show is, and they've just, or any detective show, they're making it too obvious. But we have our own NCIS moment where they handcuff the wrong person right off the bat. Um, I think the Hallmark detective series, that's what happens. Invariably, very early on, somebody gets in handcuffs. They're, well, then it's... <laughs> But we have, all have those moments because, yeah, it's too obvious. We don't have that healthy sense that we could be wrong, which is what you want in a detective. It's what you want a police officer where they're skeptical of their own, own conclusions. conclusions. And so they're it encouraged I'm going to be thorough. I can, I can... And isn't that an interesting part of even American judicial culture? Mm-hmm. That
0: you're innocent until proven guilty. Yep. That's harder to do than you think. Yep. In other words, if a detective is is going from, no, this person is innocent, I'm gonna work from that assumption right. first, unless there is so much evidence that
1: creates that you see what what if we start with for ourselves, I'm wrong until proven right. <laughs> until proven right. If I just start with oh, that's good. <laughs>
0: I think that's that's probably worth ending the podcast on right there. Pad cost. Pad, pad
1: cost. <laughs> because <laughs> we have no idea what technology and the bastards <laughs> do not get along. We're I think I think the video God's quality's right is better. Right my now. my
0: son has watched enough of these that he said, Dad, you've got to update your video quality. So I'm using my phone today.
1: But I think you're right. I think I've experienced that thirty minute Yeah. Mm, okay. yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, we're getting the second half, the 1438 part, <laughs> and there's probably a minute 12 seconds. Yeah, I think we're about we're about
1: 47 minutes
0: in, I think. So, um, healthy skepticism, humility versus arrogance, we don't know what we don't know, and we also
1: don't know what we think we know. So there's some stuff today that you are certain you're right about that you aren't with certainty (laughs) (laughs) so be very careful about what you can't be possibly be wrong about because you could be i'm
0: certain it's time to end the podcast (laughs) (laughs) now i gotta figure